Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Episode 126. <laughs> There's the clap, so I needed to clap with authority. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 126 of the Stories Are Soul Food podcast. This is going to be our best episode ever. Wow. Each one is the new high water mark. We're like a rising tide that never stops until it swallowed the world. <laughs> uh, yes, that's our not mission really, statement. Not, not, not really. <laughs> uh, We've had many ebbs within. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. All 126 episodes have progressively improved on the previous. Actually, I just received feedback from one of our listeners that he'd listened to all 125 and only three of them had he not finished. So I think. Well, he obviously needs to try harder. Well, it depends on which ones those were. I, is it possible that we're the best podcast listeners out there? We're the only ones batting a thousand. Yeah. I We've mean, listened to all of them. Yeah. It's pretty good. Regrettably sometimes, right? Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> they, you guys are sacrificing for One, us to keep our batting average. 126. I can't believe we've done this. Um, to keep our batting average that high. So I want to know which three. Did he tell you? Mm-mm, I should ask him. Probably the best ones. Yeah, I there's really there were only three good ones out of 126, and, and those you were, missed it. Those are probably <laughs> imagine how good you'd think the podcast was if you'd listened to those three. If you'd listened to the three good ones, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we try to keep like an Easter egg hunt for our listeners. Only some of them are good, right? That's actually just accuracy. Hunt, <laughs> hunt through all of them. Yep. Uh, well, what fun we have today! Uh, I was hoping to just dig into a question. I don't know if you've gotten any questions lately, but my thought is more a discussion of telling stories for for guys. Mm. Um, I've been I've been watching, especially the Twitter is the one that I've been watching. Or I guess it's not called that anymore, but we'll call it it's, Twitter. It's Twitter, you dumb Elon. His <laughs> fascination with the the letter X is is yeah. strange. And then uh, this is stemming off of the 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 rich men north of Richmond. Okay. Song that Great. went. And I want to talk about how do you tell stories to this demographic of people without it curdling, souring, turning to bitterness, and turn into some nasty stuff? Or even how do you motivate people who are in that situation of Oliver Anthony? Uh, so, Richmond, North of, North of Richmond was that the song that just charted at number one on the billboard, on the billboard charts. Right. First one from an artist who'd never charted in any form before. So, uh, Radio West Virginia, I think, played his song and it just took off. And it's a song about how corrupt our country is and how the politicians, the greedy ones, don't care about you, the rich men north of Richmond. And something about that has caught a nerve. And, you know, there are a bunch of reactions, some of the most predictable being Christianity Today saying... I don't, I don't know that that was predictable. That was... <laughs> yeah. <maybe. laughs> that, was, that was bizarre. I mean... Uh, John John Wilson. So actually, just say what the headline was first. Uh, I I need to look it up because it was that it doesn't help you take care of your neighbor. It doesn't this song doesn't help you love your neighbor? This song article doesn't, doesn't love its neighbor. Yes, that's right. I want I want to know: Do songs have neighbors? These are questions for Hannah Anderson, the author. They they were and the editor. Yep, and the headline crafter. Right, and every human being involved in writing that and headlining it, it was a hot mess. 
need um, to find it. John Wilson, who's a, a good a good friend, an old friend, one of the first editors I ever worked with, no relation, uh, worked inside Books the and C- culture, re- worked inside the CT world for a long time, and he referred to that article as I think he said something like Christianity Today continues uh, and escalates its self parody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just so bad of. Uh, Neighbors don't neighbors don't have songs. Songs don't have neighbors. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. What you and it yes. just Oliver Anthony's viral hit doesn't love its neighbors. Right. And here's the ridiculous thing. Have the nerve to say Oliver Anthony doesn't love his neighbors. Just I dare you to have that nerve. To place the agency in the song, but not the songwriter and not the singer is is really, really silly. It's a pretty bad move. It's yeah, it's just like a very cowardly move. Super cowardly. Have the backbone. If you think Oliver Anthony is hating his neighbors, say that. Don't say the song's doing it. Yeah. He's doing it. It's, it's hit, they're his neighbors. Now, the neighbor that's specifically targeted, I think, is the five foot three, three hundred pound person using welfare to buy to buy bags of fudge rounds. Yes. <laughs> One of the greatest, great little <laughs> lyric right there. But yeah, that's the neighbor. And uh, he's complaining that he and his impoverished, hardworking if, Yeah, if you're five neighbors, foot three <laughs> and 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. My first thought was, there are bags of fudge rounds? I could... I can buy a bag of fudge rounds. <laughs> That's, my, my takeaway might have been the wrong takeaway. Where, where can I find these bags of fudge rounds? Um, yeah, anyway, it's yeah. funny. This, this is also, we've talked about tiers of criticism before. This is a perfect example. Yeah. So you go through it, and the, the, the three basic tiers, uh, the first being technical value, like just craftsmanship, you know, the lyrics, the execution, you know, the yep. song itself, just on a, a technical level. Then you talk about response value, like the impact it's having yep. on listeners. And then you talk objective value. Like that's the question of just, does God like it or not? Yep. Yeah. You know, how, how does God feel about this? People are trying to find these different places to avoid the response value. They're trying to get into his, you know, his technician as a songwriter or yeah. You know, what whatever or his, the the tenor of his voice. Right. You know, they want to they try to find some They're like just a guy with a guitar. It's not really impressive. It's, it's not, like, come on. You know, yeah. it's like they like there's so many better songs and yeah, like they're they're just looking at the technical craft of it as opposed right. to what this thing just up and did. The solid beauty critique, I guess. Yeah. Well, I I would say the basically if you're getting if you're getting all into the into the granular nitty gritty technical aspects of his ability as a guitarist, yeah, his ability as a songwriter. It's like, well, how do you define ability as a songwriter? Are you measuring it in terms of response again, or are you saying in yeah. terms of the rules that I have in my head, mm-hmm. it's it's not quite lyrically what I would want it to be? Yeah. Uh, then you go up to objective, and you and you're just looking at like, how does God feel about this? And that's. A lot of people park on technical as ways to bypass the response value or even the intrinsic value, God's perspective of a thing. Yeah. So what is what is he doing? How's he doing it? How you know how why did it strike a nerve? Why did it blow up and just go? Yeah. I mean, this thing went. Um, I think a big reason why it went um is because it was equal opportunity descriptive. You know, it's and it's not like he's not getting into the question of his, his homelessness, you know, the 
the fault of the homeless person. How many people are personally culpable for that? He's talking about the just the cultural drive toward it, um, specifically beating down young men, like mm-hmm. targeting young young men, killing people with welfare, over overusing, overtaxing, misusing taxes. You know, it's, and just and the whole the whole big thing is just these rich men north of Richmond, and he describes the problem as they want total control. Yeah. They want to. They want to own you. That's that's the issue. Um, as to like whether it can lead to bitterness, like sure, there's a lot of people who are are bitter about exactly that, and there's. Well, I noticed too another jump to that response that the song really was about the few bad words that he used. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That it, actually that goes. That is Christians jumping up to a, a Sunday school version of God. Where God is basically, um, you know, has the personality of their mom's unmarried sister. And, you know, it's like- <laughs> Yeah, that's, spinster aunt personality. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that's God, right. what God thinks of him having used a poopy word. Right. When he says this, his wages plea. are poopy, you know, yeah. you know, that's unacceptable. <laughs> and again, uh, basically, he's saying like somebody who maybe had read the book of Ezekiel at some point, where most Christians who criticize things like this have not read the book of Ezekiel. Yeah. Um, I, I think too that that maybe maybe you have a thought on this, but it just seemed so intrinsically unproduced and so very real. Yep. That I think any it's why we like home videos. It's why you know. You no, know, it, that's what that's what Joe Rogan said. Is like just the this is an authenticity. Yeah. Resonance that you can't fake, and it feels like the music industry has been ripping its own jeans knees the knees yep. of its jeans for so long that yep. seeing some guy singing in front of his dog. Yep, singing with his dog in his t-shirt in right. the woods. Yep. You know, just kind of, yeah. it really, really, it really, really worked. But the the reactions in different communities have been amazing too because urban communities, you know, black podcasters, black influencers have been incredibly hit by this because they they feel seen. They they feel like, like oh, he, oh, whoa, like this is- He gets it. Yeah, he sees this. And this is something I've actually, I've told, um, I've told my ver- various friends. I know I'm trying to remember the last time I had this conversation with um, Jason Petty with Propaganda. But one of the things I told him um, was that the day that the far right and the pressure cooked inner city designated left but not necessarily left but they're they're designated to the left they belong to the left politically as a demographic the day they realize they're on the same side is going to be bad news for the establishment it is really really important for the government to keep them you know widely apart and not allied yeah did you politically did you see tucker's interview with ice cube i watched i watched a little bit of that but watching ice cube Treated his whole life as a liberal, talking about how he had been not allowed on anyone's show. Oprah had taken him off. The View didn't yep. want him. A uh, bunch of other stuff, and then he's like, "Tucker had me on." You know, the most yep. the most far right versus yep. inner city, just like you're talking about. And so there's there's an alliance to be had there. There's a mistrust of government that's well earned in yep. the inner city. I mean, well, well earned. And in the far right, the, where we live, the rural right, yeah, you know, not the suburban right. That's actually like we have very little. We have very little in common with the suburban right. 
like the comfortable right. The we we have <laughs> Did you we have very expensive public schools. We right. have really well like we have yeah. like the the expensive public schools, the shiny lobbies. Mitt and everything Romney else. talking about how much he loves hot dogs. Like that guy, you know, that's the right where wow. he's just a fake, and we hate that. <laughs> We're like, you don't even yeah. know a hot dog. Dude. So <laughs> if you go there, there are places in Napa Valley and uh, Texas that have absurdly expensive, gorgeous public high schools. Yeah, like just hundred million dollar campus. You know, it's just crazy. And all the people who live there are shareholders in it. Their property taxes pay it, and they don't pay tuition for their kids because they they have taken control of this government apparatus for the for their own use. Now, if I dropped into those places, I would find a high percentage of red right voters. Mm -hmm. But there are people utilizing government infrastructure for their own gain and benefit. And yeah, when you get out into the like the rural West, man, <laughs> like. The schools are rough. The schools are poor. Yeah. It's it's brutally difficult. And and then you add a complete lack of government infrastructure in, in so many ways. And the only thing you the only thing you really have coming to you is farm subsidies, which are terrible for are in, they in, small? The, in, in the long run. They're terrible for farmers. Oh, you know, I they it, they end up growing the wrong stuff and the foods we have it just these okay, weird, these weird incentives and disincentives, and I so see. we, and they actually, that's kind of behind why corn syrup is in everything, <laughs> because we grow too much corn because there's federal subsidies for it, and so we have this massive, massive surplus of this stuff. We got to figure out how to use. Mm. Um, so whenever the government's doing that, it just kind of messes things up. But the rural West, uh, the Clive and Bundys of the yeah. world, and Ice Cube have a ton in common. Right. And that is a very dangerous thing for them to find out. And so those, the ice cubes have to continue to believe that, you know, the rural right are a bunch of racists when they are not. Now, is the media converting them to racism? Unfortunately, yeah. I've seen more racism cropping up in the last couple of years than I've seen in my entire life. Yeah. Um, because they're being, they're being called racists. They're being insulted. These dirt poor people. You know, in West Virginia and, you know, out in the fields of Idaho and Montana are being told they're privileged. They're being told they're entitled. They're being, they're being called right. racists. Uh, at some point. They stop caring. They believe you. Whether they actually yeah, are. Like, you yeah. know? They're like, oh, maybe this is really racism. Yep. And they like, so what? Right. Apparently I can't change it. So I guess I am. And it gets, it gets really ugly. Right. Uh, but the, the point is this song especially reveals that a lot of the pressure, a lot of the oppression that you know that folks in the inner city in these urban settings feel mm -hmm. is also felt you know by miners by in coal West miners Virginia, yep. you know they have the same kind of you know the, the same kind of a thing so it's resonated across lines i think for that reason and it's this glimpse of oh wait we all actually are fighting the same man like the same you know, the same oppressor. Yeah. Of those who want total control. I think that's too why uh, Oliver Anthony could, he could easily have ruined his song by making it about party lines. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it could have become something that like all of a sudden Ted Cruz adopts as like part of his campaign. And I, and I would say the rich men north of Richmond have done an amazing job co-opting 
the oppression of the inner city and blaming it on people like Oliver Anthony. Yeah. And getting the the whole BLM lie right. to just rage at white people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's you like two different oppressed classes, like really, really like rural, isolated yeah. uh people who have sort of escaped out into self-sufficiency and it's a hard life and it's a poor life and everything else. People who are out there grinding and um and stuck in, in the rural traps are are held down and and pressure cooked and controlled and taxed by the exact same people who built the Bauhaus projects inside Baltimore and and everywhere <laughs> else and said, here Walter Gropius and yeah, Co. here you go in this box that's inhuman. You go here. Um you know, the, it's you know, the the same people who who decide to teach what they teach in those schools are doing it in you know, in the hills of West Virginia and they're doing it in, you know, in the inner city. Yeah. And they're doing it in the, like the rural West. It's only in the suburban comfort, you know, that you actually start to see like where the, you know, where the weird benefits are. Okay. Um, Gotcha. And so, and so those, those people fight for, you know, fiscal responsibility and, and things like that. But they also teeter on, LGBT and moral stuff much faster. And currently they're pushing back. But what they want is control of the government apparatus in a way that benefits them in their own area. So, you know, that and when and big school board meetings where people are raging, like, sure. like, okay, it only just now dawned on you that this isn't yours and you don't control it. Right. Yeah, it's very telling because the question of why did it take so long is something that's in all of our minds. You yeah. know, in in the rural area. Although yeah, th- this I'm, was I'm not a, an oppressed member of the rural class, but sure, <laughs> but, sure. but it is. No, like, you are though. And the thing is, I I get that. I understand, uh, like why you wouldn't say that because we don't want we don't want to identify as oppressed, and we don't. Yeah, want, sure. The yeah. we don't want to be the fact. But the fact is, what happens if you don't pay your property taxes? Well, I'm which go. are arbitrarily set by an unelected person who just right. I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> no, you lose your, you lose it all. They take yeah. it all. Yeah. They'll take all your land. They'll take your house over, you know, a right. tiny bill and they'll just take the whole thing. Mm. You know, if you improve your property, they punish you. Yeah. So like I take bare land, I, I then take my money and I build a house on it. Like, well, you just made that worth more. So now you owe us $9,000 a year. Sure. Yep. You know, $10,000 a year. And, and, and if you don't pay us that. We're going to go prove to you who the real owner is. Right. And you're saying that that is that affects poor people far more than it does the very wealthy people who do that, who apply to those same rules. Or do you think the rural land is the only thing targeted by those property taxes? I think. Or you're just giving I think an example. It hits, the, of, it hits the middle class everywhere. Yeah. You know, and now the, the thing that happens, in, and I don't, like, there's plenty of people in the suburbs who are under the same, the same pressure, but the thing that happens when they then have control of where that money goes and they get to steer it into computer labs and sure and things sure. for their kids. It's like, that's a different kind of a relationship to the taxation than right. we have. So in our County, I mean, I remember it was less than half. Now you go to public schools, right? But a hundred percent of them are paying for the public schools. Yep. And then you also, but you also have a school district that wastes more money than any other. Yeah you know, school district in the state and 
the cost per student of this government school system because they won't scale down teachers. They won't scale down operations. Yeah. Just the per student cost goes up and up and up. Well, everyone chooses alternatives, but has to keep paying and then we'll lose their house. We'll lose their yeah. land. So when a little old lady on a fixed income, um, uh, that yeah. income being fixed by the Richmond North of Richmond and social security <laughs> then has the value of her property arbitrarily increased. And she has to pay more and more and more, or they just take it. And it prevents the transfer of land across generations. Things have to be sold. You know, it's yeah. all, it's all this kind of stuff. Like that's, that's the entire goal for the structure is to prevent generational accumulation of wealth. It's to prevent people from building something that they can just okay, easily okay. hand off. Break that down. I guess that makes sense, right? Because don't they have insane laws about splitting your own property out here? It's like 25 years. Yeah. If you want to build another house on your 30, property. I think. So that's, that's insane where you think, yeah, I, if I bought land and then wanted my son or one of my sons to be able to live with me, but he couldn't buy his own land. Yeah. That makes sense to be able to split your land and build on it, but that's not allowed. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so there's, there's, there are, there, are, you, you have to go ask special permission. You have to wait 30 years. You've got all these different, yeah, you know, different things that you have to do. Um, so all this to say, we don't feel especially oppressed because the personality of the West is, yeah, self reliance and build it and all these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but at the same, at the same time, we all live in a, in a world where we are constantly monitored. We live in a world that free speech is starting to be policed yeah. and controlled. We live in a very strange tax relationship to the yeah. Richmond, north of Richmond. Uh, if I, so I actually, I came upon some information in my various dealings. You know, I just, okay, I hear from this guy, I meet this other guy, I've got these different conversations I've been around. And I'm like, oh boy, I kind of know what's about to happen for this one company. On the stock market if i go buy a bunch of shares they can send me to jail right because i you know it's like because i had access to something mm -hmm. um if a congressman knows they're they're about to grant a contract <laughs> you know you're to not somebody, allowed to talk about this stuff our fbi they, agents are perking up here <laughs> they, they can go all in and yeah. so there are there you can look that up and see how much money they've just, made over yeah you know you can if you are in government and you are in charge of like choosing the route of the interstate uh you know new expansion or whatever whatever you can look at the routes and then you can go look at which land you might be able to buy cheap yourself and you can like buy it but you vote for that and make that route be the one that happens not because it's the most efficient thing or anything else just because there's a personal kick for it for you in it fauci like won't disclose how much money he's made receiving kickbacks and percentages on patents that he used government grants to back so this is because it's legal for him to do that the government has very specifically protected themselves and their own ability to insider trade yeah. So, I mean, th these are just all the things we know. So all right. this to say, when Oliver Anthony shows up and he's saying, hey, they just want to control you. Yeah. That touches a, a nerve. Yep. Because it's real. Because it's real. I think the, the messiest thing he said is, I wish they would care more about miners and less about miners on an island somewhere. The yeah. thing that's funny is like, they, who's they? Yeah. The rich men north, north of Richmond. Here's the, here's the bad news, Oliver. 
they're the ones with the miners on that island. Yeah. You know, it's like Epstein's Island. Look at yeah. look at all the people that were on Epstein's Island. They yeah. don't care about miners on an island somewhere. Yeah. They were involved in that. <laughs> they don't care about miners in the coal mines and they yeah. don't care about miners on that island. So you what, what that was the the kind of like the weird miss I think of the song was I he chased the wordplay and that's you know I get it. Mm-hmm. I've never done anything like that before. Um <laughs> guilty. So, He's so guilty. he chased he chased the the wordplay but the Richmond North of Richmond uh, are guilty of both sides of that comparison. And asking them to fix it is just handing them yet another yeah. set of... And this can... So, jump into stories. We look at Lord of the Rings or something like that. Yeah. How easy would it be to be bitter about Mordor? Uh, like, really, very easy. Yeah. yeah, Denethor did that. Yeah. He doubled down on yeah. the... And so the the fact that like oh no there's a temptation to bitterness it's like that's yeah. just that's called being in a story right you know it's like there's a villain there's an enemy there's somebody doing bad things like well you can respond by like joyfully combating that and trying to overthrow it maybe with a song or two um, or you can like get really wound up and bitter and lash out and that is unfortunately where stuff like this tends to end up people tragically end up steered by exactly the oppressors that they're they're kicking against and you know it'll be like you know what we need stronger unions like oh oh really <laughs> like yeah we need so the yeah. the the oliver anthony song this is now a battle cry for stronger unions or, or something like that and it's it always goes that way it's basically it's always like the children's crusade these hmm. these moments are inevitably uh, moments where people get rallied and led and their enemies the first thing their enemies will do will try to get they'll try to get to the front of the parade yeah did you see steer the whole did you see bud light offered him 10 million dollars to become a new spokesman for them and he turned him down good for pretty funny good for him but i did not see that bud light was instantly like "Ooh, this is our out dylan mulvaney sunk us we just get Oliver Anthony in front of this and we're back in with all the guys that have turned on us. <laughs> it's so exactly thing, what you're is, talking about. It's like but the thing the is they, they don't, they don't understand. Yeah. Get yeah. the front of the parade. But yeah. the thing they don't understand yeah. about that is all that would do is destroy Oliver Anthony. Yeah. It doesn't like, help. It doesn't if, help them. <laughs> if the first thing he did after his viral protest song was, is post a photo with a Bud Light can, literally everyone would turn on him. Overnight, yep. he does not control the mob that he's spoken for. Yep. Like so, this is not a thing that he can steer or yep. lead or you know anything like that. So that's, I mean, he would have to be out of his mind. Yeah, I think he's something. turned down some giant record deals for the exact same reason. He's yeah. like, I know that me yep. cashing in on the system that I'm making fun of is the sellout move. Yep. And <laughs> the the other thing is. What he just did now is there is there anything wrong with selling to a major doing a record deal? No, there's not. No, yeah, and I think I um, hope he will. I think he will. However, the nature of streaming and everything else right now is such that he could access the consumer. He's proven he can access the consumer without them. He doesn't need that validation, mm-hmm. and so the reason why he would take that check would be for validation of signing with a major label, right? But he can just go right to the, you know, right to the listener now. So why why does he need him? Yeah. So, I mean, 
uh, it reminds me too. We talk, <coughs> we talk Lord of the Rings a lot. This could be the Lord of the Rings podcast. But Saruman also motivated the Wild Men, right? Mm-hmm. With that same sort of story that Rohan yeah. was sitting in their gold houses and it took taking all your land and stuff. And not wrong. Yeah. So they'd been pushed up into the hills by the Rohan. If you were, if you were Nespers, could you be bitter against the white man? Yeah. Yeah, of course. You'd have a history of yeah, things of to point to. Yeah. You know, uh, I, it's so easy. I, I may have mentioned this before, but one of the things that's funny, one of the things that was funny to me was reading the account of the destruction of my own Scottish clan. Oh, wow. Centuries ago. And reading this uh, story of the, you know, my people from Caithness, you know, in Scotland being betrayed and slaughtered in a church, you know, and I actually don't remember all the details now. It was like some brutal, uh, yeah, okay. So it was a, there was some kind of parlay thing. Uh, the which, chieftain, clan, which clan is this? Is this Wilson's? Gun. Gun. G U N N. So it was like the Keiths. There was like the son of a chieftain at the Keiths who wanted the daughter of the chieftain of the guns mm-hmm. and he was turned down. So they abducted her and raped her and, and, you know, locked her in a tower and there Scotland. Were, it was going to be, it was going to be for, you know, <laughs> she's going to be, I don't know if she's going to be forcibly married or whatever, but she's locked in a tower. She threw herself out of the tower and died, which then triggered, you know, a good old fashioned Scottish blood feud, you know, the guns versus the keys. Finally, there was a, there was a, you know, some kind of truce meeting they're supposed to have. And they pulled a full Game of Thrones situation and the Keith showed up and slaughtered everybody who had come to this uh, treaty meeting. Um, and that was sort of the end uh, of the guns. And I remember just reading all this and reading all that and digging other stuff up and reading about it and just being like, oh my gosh, those guys are the worst. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hate the Keiths. And it kind of dawned on me. I was like, man. I could see just like meeting a Keith and hating them. Like just just based on and that. has has nothing to do with me or like any of our narrative. Just like, hey, your people are terrible. And then it was uh, immediately afterwards. And I wasn't I wasn't trying to say that'd be right. I was just saying it's weird that I could actually relate to like old ethnic hatred. Like I can I can feel the tug. I can I can relate to this old ethnic hatred. And then realized soon as i was thinking it'd be easy to hate a keith i was like you know gilbert keith chesterton <laughs> and went diving into it and yeah sure enough his mom was a keith and came from the keiths and i was like that's funny and it's like yeah. all that evaporates it's yeah. like there's a different tribe there's a different blood brotherhood there's this thing that trumps all of it you know it's like yeah. all all of that stuff and that's, that's where a promise of the gospel yeah and there's there is no solution for all the coal miners in West Virginia and all the people in the inner city in Baltimore, apart from brotherhood via, you know, the, the blood bond of Christ. So if everybody like comes into the gospel, then bitterness, you know, you can, you can fight joyfully. You can fight without bitterness. You can, you can really try to do your thing. Otherwise you're always vulnerable to becoming sour, resentful and turning on each other as well and being really easy to divide and conquer. Um, yeah. Which is what's happening to us currently. What's happening to the country right now is right. this constant sowing seeds of division. 
Um, and also, another news story connected with that was the just the fact of that country song, Jason Aldean. Yeah. Try that in a small town, right? Which is immediately co-opted into this is some sort of racist dog yeah. whistle, right? That same sort of yeah. just split, even even when you could potentially identify with Yeah, well, we talked about the sound of freedom. Like, oh, it's it's yeah. wait, it's right wing now to be against child trafficking. Like, what's the Right. Or to like a movie that's about a true story about a dude who who rescued kids, like that's right wing. Yeah, what world are we in? Yeah, it's yeah. it's bizarre. I will the the other thing I'll say here. This is the kind of thing we do is people all the time. You listeners out there will have said this. You'll say things like "Let's divide and conquer." Like divide and conquer, usually means you go do that thing, I'll go do this thing. That's the exact opposite of what it means. <laughs> so uh, yeah i guess so the <laughs> divide and conquer is is an actual like strategic principle about how to handle your enemies you want them to be divided so that you can fight them in smaller units and you can control them in smaller units it's not about the division of labor <laughs> it's not about division of labor it's not about hey you're an army and you're approaching something and you say we should divide and conquer it's like no if you divide you will be conquered and that's mm. like that's actually how it is so divide and conquer has come in common speech has come to mean let's split up and get this done uh it's actually used as a very strong and, and extremely true principle <laughs> that what you do to uh, an enemy is you divide them so that you can handle them in smaller units and that's exactly what's happened to the population of the u.s there is not a unity across demographics uh that sustains because they kind of re reseparate and redivide and reattack and you know keep everybody in their own smaller units where they can be controlled and defeated more easily and that's where songs like Richmond North of Richmond are really fun because it pulls people together from from across these different units and then you watch the hammer come down as they try to redivide like redivide and, and push apart yeah. So the whole the old united we stand thing, mm -hmm. it's like that is correct. Divided we fall. Right. That's how it works. Divide and conquer means divide your enemy. Get your enemy to differentiate themselves and to fight with each other so that you can you can handle them in smaller units. And that's really what we see right now culturally. What do you think uh just storytelling perspective? What do you think Oliver should do next? What's the what's the story for someone who's hand, handed that instant spotlight and a microphone with his skill set? Like what what kind of moves would you be thinking about trying to make? Because uh, obviously he can make a career of he needs, you know, he needs a tour. But it, it's honestly I couldn't I couldn't answer this without knowing what he really wants to do. Right. Um. You know, there's things he could do that would work, and it would be pure hell i mean he could run for senate right sure um sure but what's he gonna accomplish there uh he should tour he should release an album it should be a good album yeah it should be it should be stripped back it should be dylan you know it, it should be a, a real kind of raw and real thing not a super produced and polished yeah you know thing uh he should call rick rubin and do like old Johnny Cash Essentials style, right? Album, gotcha. Because that's that's majoring on his strengths, 
Yeah. And also something that we need. Yep. So an album that hit a lot of different things, you know, it's like he, you, an album actually as a piece of art by itself is, has kind of died, but doesn't have to have died. You know, where all the songs are supposed to hang together and it's one kind of thematic thing and there's different points and counterpoints and flavor changes and all that kind of stuff. He's in a moment, he could do that. Yeah. If he reached out to Rick Rubin and said, I want, I want what you did for Johnny Cash at the end of his life. I want to do that, you yeah. know, at, right here at the beginning of my career. That's, he could, he could, uh, yeah. he could put out a pretty fantastic album. He wants to tour because he wants to actually meet the people. So he's, he genuinely has a, has a thing for the people who've, who've been listening to his song and he wants to meet them all. So, you know, doing, doing some kind of strip back tour or something, he won't break, he won't burn out. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the idea of a hip hop album or rap album just focused on exposing, uh, exposing injustice is like a staple of the genre, right? But it does feel like a pop, not, it's not rap or hip hop has moved away from that a bit more. Maybe it's just, uh, yeah, maybe it's I just mean, what's folk, gone so mainstream. Folk music and it, and yeah. the thing that made Springsteen big was that it was like urban folk. But if you like born in the USA is not a, like a hooray USA anthem. Yeah. It's a, there's a love for your country and a hatred of your government. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually <laughs> something that shows up um, in Oliver Anthony's stuff in country music a lot in the legacy of country music, right. folk music. Um, and what you, you lose in a lot of like the angry resistance rap is you don't have the same thing. Right. You yeah. don't often have like love of country. Sure. Paired with, you know, a, like a, a hatred of the oppression. So, but you do see that in country. You see that in, in folk In folk. You see that in Springsteen. You see that in, in different places it shows up. Um, and not always well, you know, sure. Probably rarely does it show up well. But resistance music is a thing and has been a thing for yeah, you know, a I mean, long time. Yeah, I think the song makes the great case that when you're trying to make an argument, if you have that repeat the chorus that you can come back to, that it helps everybody know what it is. I mean, it just it's yeah. just a, that idea uh, that that thing that resonates and sticks in your head allows you to build something bigger out of it. It's yeah. almost like the theme in a book, but but if so, if he did an album, you could do like you can do old spirituals, you can do folk songs, you can do things that are not originals, but are actually just in the blood of the culture, right? Like you can you can do th and people would love it. You know, people would get all the way into it. You don't have to have it be all all new songs. Um, some of it can be old songs, uh, like Josiah bringing the law out of the you know yeah. out out of the dust. It can be old songs that show back show back up yeah did you listen to the killers pressure machine album all about their kind of country you know where they use clips of recordings from the av you know random people who it was the one they did during covid right it wasn't i very, think so it was not very good well i don't know <laughs> i liked it I, this is the one that was all about like the small I think I, town i think i went through it once maybe halfway distracted yeah okay well it, it felt like they were trying to do what you were saying but then got yeah. weirdly mormon <laughs> uh, for at least two of the songs but it was that idea of of hey we love our country here's the people in in our part of the world yeah and then trying to to sync that with the fact that a lot of uh wherever they are can't remember have been uh destroyed by drugs and yeah poverty and and all that but 
again, I don't know how real that is coming from the killers. You know, there was, you did have that question. Yeah. You had that question of, is this real or are you faking? <laughs> is this a patina? Yeah, exactly. That, you, that you've uh, purchased prefabricated or is this? Is I this guess real? they've been doing that from the beginning. I think it's, kind of, I think fairy it's, tale. it's like halfway authentic, at least with them. Yeah, um, that's true. Some of their big stuff, Dustland Fairy Tale is all about that small so town. So the, the big thing is like the takeaways for something like this is you you should be glad that somebody's singing truth, that somebody's singing resistance, but at the same time, just singing resistance is not the answer. Mm. Yeah, it's like his role could be uh, opening up doorways between different demographics, waking people up, uniting people. But the real the the real resistance is building. The real resistance is construction. The real resistance is raising joyful kids. Like the real resistance is making sure that they're well trained and educated and love God. And I mean that that will have a very very lasting blast radius. You know that stuff does. See the song, appreciate the song, but don't just say, "Man, I need to be more mad." Right, like no, you don't. No, you don't. I don't need. You don't need to be more angry. Yeah, you channel that. And and there's this worldly thing that will come out where people say, "Let's get mad. Let's get, yeah, you know, let's get angry together." It's a huge mistake. And one of the great things is that he's not mad. He's singing a cry for help. He's singing this uh, honest, mournful perspective on the situation, but he's not raging. There's no, there's no anger here, and it needs to stay that way. And a lot of the people that grab this thing and you know try to use it as a as a little you know fight song are going to be angry and they're going to be bitter and it's going to be very destructive. Yeah, in, the, in we, very we, unhelpful ways. We talk about red pill rage, or it's a kind of a talking yeah. point. But you watch Rolo Tomasi and some of those original red pill guys at saying, "Don't get married, don't have kids, focus on yourself," because it's like they're just like things are ruined so yeah, bad and at it, it, that right there is is more what i was thinking of what you do when you don't have a path forward and you get hit with a song like that you just think yeah. quit quit give up yeah. apathy it's it, you're doomed the the but the fact is like it was 1981 when my dad looked at the situation was like we need our own we need yeah. our own infrastructures and started building the classical christian education movement and then here we are looking at the fruit already of that over you know four decades yep and and what that does and it's it's massive and build build yeah build, i mean train like rejoice I, like have fun like fifth grade has been the theme of this podcast and my son just started fifth grade i saw a little picture my wife showed me a picture <laughs> yeah of, of in in my dad's class which of we brian's both went son through. of brian's son entering fifth grade under the same fawn mask that I and you said. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> it's all with the same fifth grade teacher. Uh, it was pretty funny. And of course, as I mentioned before, Brian was born when I was in fifth grade, taught by his father. Perhaps the most repeated fact on the stories or so uh, podcast. Now his son is in fifth grade, taught by his father. And you best believe I've had those talks with my son. It's pretty awesome. You can mess up with any teacher, but not Papos. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh. Any, anyway, it's like build, 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 legacy, legacy, legacy. Uh, get into a rhythm of go fight, win, rest. Go fight, win, rest. You know, it's yeah. like it's and find the joy, like the real pleasure and the joy of 
that rest and looking for the fruit, like not ex- like expecting things to grow, yeah, is something that does seem like a mindset change. Of we're yep. not just striving in this way where we'll mm-hmm. never get out of this rat race. It's it's more how can you plant and get thirty fold first time, next time get sixty fold, next yep. time hundred fold, and and incidentally, evangelicals and Christians have been terrible at this for a long time, um, but. I don't know if Oliver Anthony has kids. I don't know if he's married, but if he does, the most important thing he can do is raise his kids to be joyful, faithful warriors. Oh, that's a good one. You know, it's like, so that's don't quit on your own. That's way more important than any of his listeners. Yeah. It just, it's just the essential thing. So that's, that's the eternal work. That's the, that's like big step one, um, like raise joyful kids. And not afraid of the sweat, not afraid of the grind, not afraid of the work. The work is real, and the odds are wildly stacked against us. Um, on one hand, on the other hand, uh, we cheat. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, Moses won by cheating. Egypt was destroyed. Yeah, and it's like cheating. It's like, well, it just means you have the omnipotent Creator God on your side, right? Or so, holding the arms up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to defeat the uh, what was yeah. it, Amorites. So it's, we cheat, God wins. He always wins. God wins and really hubristic, proud, you know, glossy, controlling, rich tyrants never, ever, ever win. They all, they always come crashing down, like no matter what. Uh, so I, I think that in, in this moment, I think Anthony's song resonated because there is a ton of tyranny right now. There's a ton of oppressive tyranny. And I think it's, it's, you know, getting way up there, uh, for at least in the history of our country, it's getting, it's getting up there. Um, and that's something that like, okay, be, be joyful. For a, for a long time, I think everybody's been trying to do the, the live under your own olive tree and ignore everything going on. It's got to the point where you can't. Eating a, a feast set in the presence of your enemies is way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just way more fun. You know, when, when you're able to like sit down and be grateful and enjoy what God's given you as you, as you rest on your way toward the next struggle, the next fight, the next, you know, the next thing. And, you know, I think, I think anybody who's been struck by Anthony, who's been moved by Anthony should be grateful for him, should be grateful for what he's doing in this, in this moment, should be hoping it doesn't spiral into, bitterness and resentment, but should know that it will for some. There's a bell curve. The people who are already bitter, like they'll use this as an anthem for their bitterness. Um, Hopefully, it'll help people from different groups understand they're actually in the same boat. And the fact that they keep us chained to different oars doesn't make us, uh, you know, doesn't mean that we have to be on separate teams. We're all all chained to oars. I hope it also makes us a little more immune to when you hear this terrible fact about this other demographic. That often that's being wielded, <laughs> yeah. As as the divided conquer that you talked about, yep. Um, yeah, and so there's it's, and I, I referred to the children's crusade, which was famous, and that somebody went through the cities of Europe, saying the children were going to go rescue, you know, Palestine from the unbeliever, loaded ships up with thousands and thousands of European kids to go in this little you know, faithful fervor to go rescue Palestine and instead took them to North Africa and sold them into slavery. And that's the children's crusade. 
And it's the kind of thing that happens over and over and over again. <laughs> and there's been there's real oppression. There's there's there was a slave trade. There was chattel race-based slavery in this country. The way that Sherman marched to Atlanta, you know, scorching the earth of his neighbors, uh, was also then immediately afterward done to the Native Americans. The exact same strategy. And right. one of the, one of the things that's that's quickly forgotten when we look. It's very easy right now in in the, this political environment. It's very easy to say, "Man, the U.S. government mistreated the Navajo. Man, the U.S. government mistreated the Nez Perce." Man, there's these places of oppression and genocide and just scorched earth, you know, strategy against these tribes um, and breaking treaty with them. All the same thing was done to the American South. Now, we could look at the American South and say, well, this is God's judgment. They were, they were misbehaving and so they deserved it. And we would not be wrong to say that. But from God, mm-hmm. but from Sherman, <laughs> like, he didn't have the right to do that. It was it was um, it was evil. Yeah, his march to the sea. Yep. And then mm-hmm. now, but do we break treaty? Yeah, the U.S. broke treaty. Yeah, the U.S. stole property after Appomattox. Yes, they broke treaty the exact same way they broke treaty with the tribes. So, does it does it fix anything to get mad? Does it fix anything to get angry and bitter? Uh, like no, the the key to defeating oppression is to actually rise above it, like get through it, um, and then yeah, stomp it out. But yeah, n- know that God will destroy it. It will it will get torn down. I think we yeah we let it spiral out of control. But if you ask yourself what can I do about it, that's a helpful test sometimes. Because yep. the what can I do about it, you can't take care of the DC complex. Yep, you can't. <laughs> what can you do? You can give your kids an amazing. Uh, amazing afternoon after school you can make sure they're in a great place learning great things um what's within arms within within arm's reach pj o'rourke uh in all the trouble of the world i I don't remember i think it's in there it's a chapter title or whatever i know he said it somewhere everyone wants to save the world yeah it's in there no one wants to do the dishes no one wants to help mom with the dishes (laughs) yep so like the thing is you can't save the world from where you sit but what you can do is help your mom with the dishes what you can do is be good weather in right. the in the lives of everyone who's around you. Like you can do that, and it does actually have a massive impact, right? Uh, and a long term impact. God uses that enormously, and I think that's what Oliver Anthony did. Like all his song and his approach to that song is good weather, a moment of like like clouds parting. You know, it's, it's it's a moment where people are seeing something clearly and appreciating and seeing, like hearing hearing kind of the uh, the empathy, the urgency, the 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 understanding, yeah, in his voice and how he's singing, how intensely he means it. You know, it's like it's good weather. He's being good weather just all over the place with that, which is fantastic. People will try to use it as bad weather, um, but it's not. And he's he's been a quite a sunny personality, you know afterward too which i think is fantastic yeah reading out all of psalm what was it 34 yeah or 37 37 yeah all an imprecatory psalm out yeah. on on the wicked that's in our bible man <laughs> yes <laughs> he he went with some uh some of god's word yeah there. but he said a poo word yeah he did he also used damn inappropriately <laughs> can only be used in a context in which you're referring to hell 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's funny. I think he's I think he's been great weather, and it's a good thing. Um, I did enjoy you. You picked on Christianity Today. I thought uh, National Review Online was hilarious as well. Oh yeah. Well, they said maybe his next one can be about how great America is and how America is the land of opportunity. What a bunch of putzes, man! Uh, the, thing, the thing that's funny about it is. <laughs> I was I was texting with uh, Meg Basham about it. We were both laughing about NRO and and uh, I was like, it's kind of a, she said it's this amazing version of I would like your thing if it was different than the thing you did. And mm, I was yep. like, you know, it's actually I would I would like your thing if it was the opposite of your thing. <laughs> if it was if it was the exact like, this is a very cool wave we're all riding but if it were a different we wave. hear your criticism of the american government and what we would prefer is if it had been a compliment could it could you think about just issuing a compliment instead and mm. uh yeah anyway i thought that was profoundly hilarious Anyways. Like just very very funny and a, and a moment of beauty for somebody just to say uh great job how about we do the opposite? <laughs> like that'd be, if you did the opposite, it would be better. Yeah. It'd be better if it was the opposite. Isn't their name literally the national review? Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be criticizing. They, ju they, they jumped the, they jumped the shark a long time ago. <laughs> Buckley so, is very upset. Or, or yeah. is he? I don't know. He's a bit of an elite. <laughs> so yeah, don't get bitter. Doesn't matter how bad it gets in your life. Doesn't matter how bad it gets anywhere. You could be in chains and you can't get bitter. Um, yeah. Don't do it. Philippians so, 4 8. Sing the blues, sing your folk songs, sing the Psalms. And the other one that I think your family taught me, the fruit is heavy, is a great reminder when Always. you're feeling tired. Fruit is fruit heavy. Fruit is heavy. So yeah, exactly. When you're carrying a basket of apples up a hill, it's gonna it's gonna get heavy. But the answer is not to dump it out. Nope. And the only thing heavier is gold. So fruit and gold are always gonna be heavy. <laughs> it's never it's never gonna feel like you're carrying a helium balloon when you're carrying something really lasting. It's a good spot to stop. This has been SAS 126. Maybe not the best one ever, I, th I think I got to say, but I don't know what is. Well, it's in one of those top The three. next one will be better. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a SAS listener who often makes it to the end of these videos and the end of our podcast, when I start talking, you'll know that I'm often bringing up Canon Plus. So I'm going to let you in a couple seconds watch a video that explains why Canon Plus is the premier Christian streaming service for entertainment, education, and theology. Give it a watch and then please come join us on Canon Plus if you haven't already. Does your streaming content make you a better wife and mother? A better husband and father? Or when you sit down and pick up the remote, does the content you consume attack you? You fat bastard. Is it at war with everything you say you stand for? Does it make you stronger? Does it make your family stronger? How much darkness streams directly into your home every week? How much do you pay for the privilege of consuming whatever new dark thing Hollywood algorithms have assigned to you and to your family? Just my two dads and me. It doesn't have to be that way. Canon Plus is building a global platform with one simple goal, to create and deliver great content that will help Christian families grow stronger. Content to encourage, equip, challenge, and inspire. Yes, these times are bleak, but the darkness cannot win for long. 
light is far more powerful. With thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, truth-telling documentaries, and curriculum for all ages, Canon Plus wants to help your family laugh, sing, learn, and grow stronger together. And we're just getting started. We want the resources we produce to help you become a lighthouse in your own community, armed with courageous joy and faith that burns bright, right alongside millions of others who are just as determined to live in a way that honors God in these dark times. Your own food shouldn't attack you. Not at the table, and not gathered with your family on the couch. We are building a true alternative, and we can't do it alone. We need committed Christian families to build with us. So consider this your invitation. Pop some corn, grab the blankets, and help us build a streaming platform unlike any other. A platform that will strengthen Christians' mind, body, and soul. We saved you a spot on the couch. Canon Plus. Cancel the darkness. Invite light.